Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful to be in church today? You're allowed to clap for that. <laughs> Go ahead and pull out your Bible. It's something to take notes with this morning. I love uh, preaching after worship, but I also kind of hate it because I hate when it ends. But it's always exciting because God is always moving in this room, and it is so fun. And it's exciting to open up his word and to believe that uh, even when the music turns off, God's not done with us this morning. That's right. Okay. Maybe I'll just preach on that for a second because there's some things in your life that you thought when they ended, God was going to be done moving in your life. But even when that thing stopped and when that person walked out, when that decision ended, when that season ended and you thought it was over, God's still not done moving in you. Should we preach that sermon that we didn't plan or we'll stick with the notes here? Mark, Mark 16. Mark 16. We believe church is a participation sport here at Antioch and that uh, we all worship together, so that means we can all receive the word of the Lord together, that uh, you can shout me down and say amen. You can nudge your neighbor and say you needed that if you know what's going on in their life. Mark 16. Nobody said it yet this morning to you. Happy Easter. Why don't you just look at your neighbor real quick and say happy Easter. <laughs> happy Easter. We are celebrating Resurrection Sunday, the end of Passion Week. We started last week with Palm Sunday, where we celebrated Jesus as a king who came riding in on a, as a, on a donkey. Uh, Good Friday, we were here. A handful of us were here. Who was here on Good Friday? We had a great time Friday night. And uh, we celebrated Jesus. Uh, Sunday, was, he was a king on a donkey. Friday, he was the Passover lamb slain for the sins of the world. And that means you too. If it's true for everybody, that means it's true for you. Somebody say amen, just so to keep me moving here, because I'm just distracted by all the good news this morning. <laughs> he was killed because he is the Passover lame, lamb slain for the sins of the world, and today on Easter, we celebrate Jesus as the Lion of Judah, the Lion of Judah coming out and conquering the grave to give eternal life. I am thankful for Easter this morning, yesterday, hopefully tomorrow I'll be thankful again, thankful that every day is Easter. We've been doing a series called Where Do We Go From Here over the last couple of weeks as we've been leading up to Easter Sunday, this moment where we celebrate Jesus' disciples coming to the grave to mourn his death and finding that grave open and empty and Jesus is alive. We've been talking about how the, the fact is that Jesus is not some fantasy character that just us Christians believe. This isn't a fantasy event that we celebrate. Jesus was a real person. We talked about all the evidence that, that supports the fact that Jesus lived like he said he lived. He did what the Bible says he did, and he rose from the grave just like he said he would. And because he really is who he says he is and did what he said he would do, we have a question to answer for ourselves and collectively together. Where do we go from here? If this grave really is empty, where do we go from here? And we've been talking about what our response to that question might be. It's been a fun couple of weeks. Have you been encouraged by where do we go from here? I hope you've been moved forward. That's what we talked about on Friday, that Jesus showed us that on the cross, God is a God who's always moving forward. He always completes what he promises that he will complete. We had, I had you open up to Mark 16. If you're there, say I'm there. We're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 8 together. It says this, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, Salome don't know, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, 
they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. I wonder if there's some things in your life that are very large right now and you're wondering what's about to happen, but I wonder if God might already be doing the thing that you're wondering how you're going to pull off. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where you laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. It's a resurrection Sunday. The stone is rolled away. The grave is empty. And I want to preach a message to you this morning. Tyler, if you're new to church or new around here, we believe in taking notes big time. So I want you to go ahead and grab something out to take notes with. It's kind of a courtesy thing. Either you're going to want something to remember or you're going to be bored and you now have something to draw on for the rest of the morning. So pull out something to take notes with. Where do we go from here? The last part of our series, I'm gonna title this message, Go to the Grave. Go to the Grave. Touch your neighbor and tell him, go to the grave. Go to the grave. I have a confession to make on Easter Sunday, and that is that laundry has never really been my thing. Anybody else? Thank you. I'm glad that I'm not alone. Um, I remember when I went to, when I went to college, uh, my mom was a blessing every day I've grown up, and still to this day, my mom's a blessing. Does anybody think Linda Zanaka's a blessing? She's amazing, and uh, she did my laundry growing up, and I'm so thankful for that. And then I, uh, I went to college, and I know she, she taught me because she's amazing, but I wasn't paying attention that day. Uh, so I go to college, and all of a sudden, my laundry basket fills up with clothes, and I have that moment, you're like, wow, nobody's going to do this for me. So we got to figure this one out. So uh, I've never done laundry before, at least that I can remember. And so uh, I'm like, it's, it's time to figure this out and be a big boy. So I go down, and I start doing the laundry, and I, and I get in the rhythm of doing laundry. Come on, I mean, that's like a big deal. Thank you, okay. I mean, I thought it was exciting. I was pretty proud of myself. Good job, Andrew, you're getting into this laundry rhythm. And, and you know, I found out some things I had heard didn't really seem to be that important, like the colors and the whites being separated. I never really found that to be a problem, so we'll just be efficient and do it all at once. Anybody else found that, or am I alone? Okay, thank you. Sometimes things aren't what you always told they, 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 they've been. So I, I get into the rhythm of doing laundry. I'm proud of myself. My parents come my freshman year. Uh, it, was, it was either a couple months in or maybe even second semester, and they come to visit, and we're, like, hanging out in my dorm room. And, of course, my mom walks in and is like, how does a human live in this place? And I think it's fine. So uh, she's helping me get some things straight, and uh, she asked me, uh, when was the last time you washed your sheets? And I was like, What? And, and she looked at me and she said, what? <laughs> she pulled back the covers and said, you've been sleeping on that? And I was like, I just never noticed. That's gross. And she's like, it is gross. We're going to burn these and we're going to go get you some new sheets. It's disgusting. You need to wash your sheets. And I was like, okay. I just didn't know. You know, here we go. So I was bad. That was a bad day. My mom's still traumatized from that sight. Sophomore year comes. I, not only am I doing laundry, but I am washing my sheets regularly. And again, proud of myself. And uh, mom and dad come again. And uh, she says, you know, can I go wash your sheets? And I'm like, sure, you can. But I've been doing it. Just want to let you know they're in good shape. And so she goes down the hall to, to do the laundry. And she comes back and she says, hey, where's your detergent? And I said, I gave it to you. And she said, that's fabric softener. And I said, okay. 
And she's like, what do you mean? Okay, where's the detergent? And I'm like, I, I, you're holding it. You say, this fabric softener. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> Who knew? You're laughing like you all knew and nobody ever told me. And so that, therefore, I like, it's an indictment on all of you as my friends. Like nobody ever told me. These are two separate things. So laundry has never been my thing. I'm married now to my amazing wife. You know, Heather's a blessing. She's amazing, uh, and she does our laundry. I, I don't, I mow the lawn, she does the laundry. We're a happy couple. It works out great. My sheets are clean, my clothes are clean. Praise the Lord. Though I could do laundry if a gun was held to my head and I had to do it to survive. I could probably do it a little bit. But laundry has never been, I think some of you are terrified right now, and some of you, this is your first time, and you're like, I am never coming back in this place. That man is disgusting. And you can laugh at me and judge me all you want, but we've all got stuff that we can't quite get a grasp on, right? Like, don't look at me like that, right? Like, you can't be on time for anything, and you're like, well, I could say, like, especially church. Like, we're always late at church. <clears throat> Just saying, you're not late for the movies, but anyways. It's not mean if it's true. You, you have a hard time being on time. Some of you have a hard time driving. Come on, somebody. You know, you know, there's some people in the room who have a hard time driving. You hit the snooze button all the time. You know, you, you've got some things that you can't get, get a grasp on. So don't judge me because I have a hard time with laundry. You've got some things that you have a hard time too. And, and, and some of this is funny. And we, and we can laugh about the stuff that we can't get a grasp on. And that's true. There's some lighthearted things in our life that we can't get a grasp on. But the truth is, is that I think we also have some, all some pretty serious and some deep things that we feel like in our life we just can't get a grasp on. And it's not quite as funny as like going and replacing sheets. It's like it kind of continues to cost us. It continues to frustrate us. Something that we just can't get a hold on. Like maybe you and your spouse just can't quite figure out how to have conflict without exploding. And it's just, you just can't quite get a grasp on this thing. You, you can't quite get past some of the stuff you did in your past. Like it's over, but you're not past it. And you just can't, you keep running into these roadblocks from, from those things things you've done, things people have done to you. You can't get a hold on, on, on spending or, or, or eating or the thoughts that go through your head about some other people or the thoughts that go through your head about yourself. You know, like we've all got areas in our life where we just keep messing it up. We just keep messing it up. We can't find a way to get that thing under control. And, and sometimes something that really seems to make it all worse is we go to church. We go to church, and uh, you get around all these people who look so nice on Easter, and they raise their hands during worship, and we talk about Jesus, and we sing songs about freedom and resurrection and power over sin, and then we, we hear from the Bible about this amazing man, Jesus, and how he wants to invite us into these amazing plans and purposes for our life and what he's doing in the world, and we're thinking, that all sounds great, and I would love to do all of that stuff, follow God, purposes, and plans, yippee. That sounds awesome, but I can't even do my own laundry. Fill in the blank. I would love to, but I can't even, I don't even, I'm just having a hard time. The Bible's full of people like you and me. I want to encourage you with that this morning, that the Bible is full of people like you and me. One of them is Peter. Peter gets called out here in Mark 16, verse 7. The women who have gone to the tomb to anoint Jesus with spices that they 
have brought, they find the stone is rolled away. They find the tomb is empty, except for an angel. Happy Easter. Next year, we're going to bring in an angel. We're going to go find one. Bring him in. Thank you for the people who are here to have a great time. (laughs) And Peter gets called out. Peter gets called out by this angel. He says, go and tell all the disciples and Peter. Peter gets a shout out here from an angel, which sounds like really awesome, but it's actually not because Peter's a superstar. Peter gets a shout out because he's actually having a really hard time. Uh, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. He's one of the 12 apostles like that Jesus handpicked to be closest to him. And then out of those 12, Peter was one of the three that were even the closest of the 12. So Peter is like one of Jesus' best friends. So Peter is awesome. He's a great guy, but he just cannot get a grasp on this whole like being a disciple thing. He is one. He just can't really get a grasp on it. And it's sort of like sand always going through his fingers. Every time he thinks he's got a hold on how to do this thing right, he just kind of messes something up. And he wants to follow Jesus. He, he has some really high points in his life, if you look at Peter and his journey. He has, he has a really great heart. You know anybody with a really great heart? Now <laughs> how we just say, like, but they're kind of a mess. Like, oh, but he's got a great heart. Bless his heart. He's a good boy. <laughs> He's got a great heart, but he's got some slip-ups. At one point in his life, uh, he's at kind of a super exclusive moment seeing Jesus have this transformational moment in his life, and the audible voice of God speaks, and Peter speaks up, and the audible voice of God says, Peter, be quiet. I'm trying to say something. So just church 101, if the audible voice of God starts speaking, let's just all shh, just let it happen. Let him say what he needs to say, and none of us will interrupt, all right? Peter didn't get that memo. He didn't come to Antioch, India uh, on Easter in 2019 to get that memo. So he, he gets rebuked by the audible voice of God. Jesus calls him the devil because Peter tells him, like, no, don't go die. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. And you're like, wow, I thought we were friends, you know? So he, he kind of misses the whole point. And then when Jesus is getting arrested so that he can go, you know, die for the sins of the world and raise from the grave, which is why he was born in the first place, like so Jesus can do everything he came to do. In that very moment, Peter totally misses the point, and he actually takes out his sword, and he swings to cut off a guy's head who's arresting Jesus, but thankfully the guy dodges just enough so the sword just catches his ear, slices that thing right off. He's aggressive. And Jesus, in the middle of getting arrested, touches the guy's ear, creates a new one for the man on the spot, and says, Peter, put the sword away. I mean, imagine how different the story may have gone had this guy not been so quick. <laughs> like, you're reading that in the whatever verse it is, and it's like, and Jesus is arrested, and Peter cut somebody's head off. It's like, whoa, <laughs> alternate ending, everybody. <laughs> so Peter's, Peter's just Peter. Peter's not a perfect person. He's got, he's got some problems that he just can't shake. He knows who he wants to be. He knows what he wants to do. He knows the things he wants to be a part of. But Peter has this consistent problem in his life in that, and Peter's problem is Peter. Peter keeps getting in his own way. And the truth is, like, I can relate to this. I can really relate to this. Just a few months ago, I was with some friends, and we were just connected. We hadn't hung out in a while, and we were just sharing, you know, okay, you know, been, we had a couple days together and just saying, you know, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? How can we encourage each other? How can we talk through some things? How can we pray for each other? And, you know, what, what are your current challenges or frustrations? And, and I just said, you know, honestly, 
You know, there are challenges in my life, but that's life. You know, I get that. I get that life's not easy. Life's not always fair. That, that, that part of life is the challenges of life. And I, I wish some things were different, maybe here or there. Or maybe I'm waiting for some things to happen here or there. But, but again, that's life. Like, guys, I, that's going on. But, but that's like my biggest problem. My biggest frustration is me. My biggest frustration really most of the time is just like my own humanity. Sometimes I, I see how I overreact to my kids. And yeah, I, sure, I wish they would obey quicker, but I wish I didn't overreact. Really, I'm just frustrated about that. I wish I didn't snap about it. I, I can get distracted by meaningless scrolling on my phone, and there goes 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and wow, there it goes. And yeah, sure, it, it, it'd be nice if something changed and it wasn't so easy to get so distracted, but really, I just wish I was more disciplined. That's what I'm really frustrated about. I, I wish some things were better, but really, I just wish I was better. And sometimes I'm like, God, why didn't, wouldn't this whole go a whole lot better if I was like a robot instead of a human? Like if I got saved and I just like lost all ability to not be perfect and now we just kind of be the robot thing, like wouldn't that be more effective and wouldn't that be more efficient for the things that you're trying to do if, if you made robots instead of people like me? But God doesn't want religious robots, I have found out. God wants relationship with his children. And relationships can be a little messy and even less efficient than robots. So Peter's a little bit of a mess, and I appreciate that about Peter, uh, because I'm a little bit of a mess too. And Peter gets singled out by this angel, not because he's doing great, but because he's having a hard time. He has a history of having a hard time. All the other disciples kind of have their Peter story. You know, like everybody's got their favorite Peter story. So had, they, had this been today and they were getting a TV interview, you know, later and everyone's like, hey, yeah, Peter's awesome now. But remember back in the day when he was a mess, like what's your favorite Peter story? They would all be like, oh man, you got to hear this one. Peter's got a history of having a hard time, but, but he doesn't get singled out in this moment because he's a superstar. He doesn't get singled out in this moment because he has a history of having a hard time. He doesn't get called out because of something that happened a long time ago. He actually gets singled out here in Mark chapter 16 because of some stuff that just happened on Friday, and it's Sunday. It was just a couple of days ago. Sometimes the stuff you wish you could get over isn't as far behind you as you wish it was. Sometimes it's fresh. We're on Sunday of Passion Week, and uh, the other night, just even for us on Friday, as we celebrated this Friday that I'm talking about that Peter had a mess up on, we talked about here how uh, Jesus had his last supper with his friends, and, and we, we're not going to go into that because we talked about it then, but Jesus is having his last dinner with his friends, and uh, we read out of Matthew chapter 26. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read a few verses here in Matthew 26. It tells us about this dinner. Jesus tells his disciples what's about to happen. Peter doesn't like it, and then Jesus actually says something specifically to Peter that's worse than what he already said, and Peter really doesn't like that. And it, Goes, conversation goes like this. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away from me because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Not encouraging. And Peter answers him, though they all fall away. You, you, like Peter stands up in front of all of them. It's not like they out there. He's like, they they all may fall away. These guys, yeah, these guys are jokers. I agree. If something happens to you, they're wusses. They probably will run, but not me. 
not me. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never. Ever been there? I will never. I would never. I won't ever. It's just me. Okay. I've said that. I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will deny me three times. Peter doesn't like that. And Peter says, even if I must die with you, I will not. Even if she shows up again, I will not. Even if he calls again, I will not. We don't want to go there. Nobody wants to go there this morning. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Jesus says, I know you're my friends, but you're all going to fall away from me. Peter says, no way. I'll never do that. Peter, actually, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, what? I would rather die than deny you. I would rather die than do that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never go there again. I would never do that. I know I have failed. I know it's been a weakness in the past. I feel like we could all say this together, but this time it's different. This time it's different. I've been there. I've said that. Maybe you've said that too, and you're so encouraged and you're so sure, but then, yeah, you do it. I do it. Peter does it. A little bit later in the chapter, Matthew 26, 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said, and, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I did not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them for your accent betrays you. Then he began to evoke a curse on himself and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he did what I've done he went out and he wept bitterly. Not again. A few hours later, if you just keep reading the story in Matthew 27 and verse 57, when it was evening, that was early in the morning, Friday. When it was evening, Friday, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus because Jesus is dead. Then Pilate ordered the body to be given to him, and Joseph took the body, and he wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, and he laid it, on his own, laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut from the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. That's where Peter was at Friday night. And now, today, Mark 16, today, today, you and me, is Sunday. It's just Sunday. Peter's probably waking up and having breakfast. And Mark 16 tells us that the women have gone to the tomb. They've encountered an angel there. And so you can imagine Sunday morning, they woke up earlier than everybody else. 
Now Peter's probably waking up. He's probably making some breakfast. And all of a sudden, these women who left so early come storming back into the house. And they start shouting to everybody, waking them up, spilling some oatmeal probably, making a bunch of noise. In a room full of the tired guys, we're like, seriously, come on. <laughs> I've done it, I don't know. <laughs> and I, guys, guys, we went to the tomb. We were at the tomb. We went to the tomb this morning, and when we got there, the stone was rolled away, and the, ent- at the stone was rolled away from the entrance. Like, it was gone. Like, the tomb was open, and that was really weird, and it was really scary, but I'm not even telling you. That's not even the weirdest thing that just happened. Like, the tomb was open. The stone was rolled away. Look at us. We couldn't do it. It did it by itself. I don't know what happened, but the stone was rolled away, and then we go, and we look inside, which felt really scary to look inside of a tomb. I don't know why we did it, but we did it. We looked inside, and, and then we see not Jesus. There's actually no body, but there's like this angel and they're like what an angel yes there was an angel guys no dead body no dead body just an angel and we were freaked out and we're really scared and the first thing he said was don't be scared and we're like too late man like this is crazy (laughs) of course we were terrified and the angel he told us he said he said I know you're looking for Jesus and we're like oh my gosh like this is weird Nobody's going to believe this. I know you're looking for Jesus. And the angel said, yes, he was crucified, but no, he isn't here. And he told us he's risen. And he wasn't there. Like, it wasn't, he was, he's not there. And so we said he's risen. And he showed us where we all just laid Jesus. Remember that on Friday when we all went there and we all set him down? Like, we all saw where we put him. We all saw the stone go back where it was. Remember when we all saw that? I'm telling you, it's not there anymore. He showed us where Jesus had been laid by us just a few days ago and he isn't there. And the angel was like, you need to go back to the disciples and tell all of you guys. And Peter, he said specifically, we need to tell you too that, I don't know what that was all about. Typical Peter getting the shout out, right? That's probably what they're all thinking. Like, oh, Peter somehow finds a way to make this all about him again. You know, like told us to tell all you guys and Peter that Jesus is risen and he's going to Galilee just like he said he would and he's gonna be waiting there for you guys. That's where Mark's account of the story really ends. (laughs) Kind of weird. It ends with breakfast, making this announcement, telling the disciples and Peter. But that's why I'm thankful for four gospels. Anybody thankful for that? Luke 24 tells us what happens in the rest of the story. You can turn there. Luke 24, we're just going to read two verses here. Verses 11 11 and 12 of Luke 24 tells us what happens next. I'll go back to verse 10. It says, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. All that stuff I just said. They run in the room. They bust in and they say all this stuff. In verse 11, it says, This was the reaction of the disciples. It says, But those words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Typical guys, right? Like, come on. Just believe the ladies. <laughs> Shout at them. Okay, they're usually right. Girls, way to go. Good for you all. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter, but Peter, but Peter did not consider this an idle tale. Peter maybe didn't believe them, but he had to go see for himself. But Peter rose and he ran to the tomb. 
He ran to the tomb. He had to go to the grave because he had to see for himself because Peter always had to see for himself. He had to know if this was true because Peter needed this to be true. And he gets there stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. The linen cloths. The linen cloths. Knowing Peter, Peter was probably helping Joseph of Arimathea, back in Matthew 26, wrapped those linen cloths around Jesus' lifeless body. Just the other day, on Friday, I bet he was there wrapping up Jesus, helping taking him down from the cross, helping transport him to this tomb. And the whole time he's wrapping, the whole time he's walking, he's thinking. Thinking about what he could have done. Thinking about what he should have done. Thinking about what he didn't do. Thinking about that time, he said, though they all fall away, I'll die before I deny you. Wishing he could have those denials back. But now it's Sunday, and Peter finds himself back at the same tomb that he was at Friday night. Walking past the same stone he walked past to bring Jesus in to this same tomb that he was at Friday night. Staring at the same linens that he touched and smelled and saw Jesus' blood stain on Friday night. But now, somehow, these cloths that he had wrapped around a lifeless body are by themselves. I believe that Jesus not only knew that Peter was going to deny him on Friday night, but I believe Jesus knew Peter would go to the grave on Sunday. And I think he left the grave clothes on purpose. I think Jesus left the linens for a reason. See, the angel comes and he says, go tell all the disciples and Peter that it's time to move forward. The women were coming to the grave because it was over. It was ended. Yes, Jesus had told them what was about to happen, but they didn't buy it. They didn't understand it. They didn't know how it all worked together. And so Jesus isn't there, but he left an angel behind for the ladies and for all the disciples to tell them, you remember that time I said I was going to rise and go to Galilee? Well, hey, I've risen and I'm on my way to Galilee. And he says, it's time to move forward. Go to Galilee, where you will not only see Jesus, but if you look at what happened after they get to Galilee, it says that Jesus, after he had risen, he continued to teach them more about the kingdom of God. They needed to go to Galilee, not go to the grave. They needed to go to Galilee, because in Galilee, they were going to hear more about this kingdom. They were going to get the power of the Holy Spirit. They were going to be given the Great Commission. Like, that hasn't even happened yet. That's a big deal. That's still coming. They have no idea, but that's why they need to go to Galilee. Easter is the starting line, not the finish line. We've got to go. But before Peter could go to Galilee, Jesus knew that Peter needed to go to the grave. Peter needed to go to the grave. And Jesus, instead of leaving an angel for Peter, Jesus left the linens for Peter as a message. Hey, Peter, I'm not here. I'm risen. Just like the girls told you like 30 minutes ago. But I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come and see this for yourself. I'm going to Galilee, just like I said I would, just like they told you that I said I would and that I'm already doing. I'm really excited to see you there, Peter. I have so much for you. I have so much to tell you. And I'm glad that you came here this morning before 
you set off for Galilee. Because before I show you all that's ahead of you, Peter, I wanted to show you all that you can leave behind. Jesus left the linens by themselves. See, I want you to know this Easter Sunday that the power of the resurrection isn't just in who came out of the grave. It's also in what stayed in it. I want you to know this morning on Easter Sunday that the power of the resurrection isn't just in who came out of the grave. It's in what stayed in it. Okay. I know I came to Antioch this morning. The power of the resurrection is not just in who came out of the grave. The power of the resurrection is in what stayed in it. The power of the resurrection is also in what stayed in it. This is my one point, so I can just keep saying it the whole time. It's not just about who came out. It's also about what stayed in there. Sometimes you wonder why you find yourself back where you never thought you would find yourself again. You thought this was over. You've been actually walking in victory over it, or you just pushed it so far back in your mind. You're wondering, how did I end up back here, back in this conversation, back in this spot, back in this temptation, back in these urges, back in these feelings? How did I end up back at this grave that I thought I had left behind? And God wants somebody to know this morning, maybe it's not because you're not where God wants you to be. Maybe you're exactly where God wants to show you what you can leave behind. Sometimes you got to see the grave clothes for yourself. You got to go away and get some space, but then you got to come back and let Jesus remind you of what you can leave behind. Your sin went in the grave, but his righteousness came out. Your past went in, but his plans came out. His wounds went in and his scars came out, which means, yeah, it did hurt, but now it's healed. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Jesus didn't come out still bleeding. He came out with scars, but he came out healed. He left the wounds in the grave. Passivity of Peter went into the grave, but purpose for Peter came out of the grave. Shame went into the grave, but identity came out of the grave. See, the Bible says that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we are crucified with him. We die this very same death to sin that Jesus died on that cross. That's why the cross is such good news. Jesus didn't just die on it. I did too. (laughs) And we're raised to life with him. The Bible says we live the same life now that Jesus came out of that grave with. This isn't a religion that fixes you. This is a miracle that makes you new. Jesus said you must be born again. He says if you're in me, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You're not an orphan. You're adopted as a child of the living God. He became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. And this means that you're not a sinner anymore. You are a saint. And I know sometimes you still sin, but it doesn't make you a sinner. It makes you a saint who's learning how to live like it. Somebody needs to know something stayed in the grave that day. Yes, it's empty, but not totally empty. There's some grave clothes back in there that Jesus didn't bring out, and you don't need to bring them out either. You don't need to bring them out either. The Bible says that Peter saw the grave clothes by themselves. In John's gospel, it tells us that Peter didn't run to the tomb by himself. John went with him. And John makes sure to note that he outran Peter and he was faster. But John also noted that when John got to the tomb, he looked in. But when when Peter went to the tomb, he went in. It says, Peter saw the clothes first, and then John came in, and he saw him too. I believe Peter sort of had a decision that day that I kind of face all the time too. What am I going to do about those grave clothes? 
Because it sure feels like I should pick them up. Like maybe I should do something with them. Like maybe Jesus forgot them and like we need to talk about this more and we need to work through it more and maybe I need to like carry these around to remind everybody that like, yeah, Jesus is risen, but remember all these, like I actually helped wrap them up because my sin helped kill him and I actually denied him on that night and I need to make sure everybody remembers that too. I need to make sure I remember it too. Like I feel like I should pick up those grave clothes. The Bible says Peter went away marveling at what had happened. I can't believe this. I think it's shocking that Jesus came out of that grave. <laughs> and I think it's shocking he left the grave clothes in there. He marveled at what had happened. And if you look at the rest of Peter's life, at least what we have recorded, it sure doesn't seem like Peter has a lot of those Peter episodes again. He walked away marveling at what had happened, and he never wavered again. He never doubted again. He never denied again. And he had a choice, too, I'm telling you. It was some slave girls on Friday night, but later down the road, he's facing crucifixion just like Jesus, and they say, if this man's really who you say he is, why don't you die like him, too? And Peter's like, I won't die like him. You better put me upside down because he is who he says he is, and because he is who he says he is, I'm not even worthy to be, to be killed like he was killed. You want me to deny that man? Just put me upside down and bring it on. I'm amazed at what I saw that man do. I'm amazed. Because he was marveled by what happened that day. He was captivated by what he saw left in that grave. And I believe the Lord wants to tell you this morning that whatever marvels you will master you. I've got a word for you this Easter, and not enough people wrote it down. Even if you don't understand it or if you don't think you're hungry for it, you didn't even want to come to church, and grandma made you, and mom made you because it's Easter, and you don't like this collared shirt, and you're like, the preacher doesn't even wear a collared shirt. I told you, mom, I don't even have to. You can still write it down. Whatever marvels you will master you. Whatever marvels you will master you. I specifically want to talk to some Christians in the house of God this morning. There's some things that have been mastering you, there's some things that have been mastering you, some fears, some urges, some desires, some habits, some distractions, some sins, some mindsets, some regrets, some memories. They've been mastering you, and you're wondering when Jesus is going to do something about it. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is wondering when you will marvel at what he's already done. Will you marvel at what happened this day? There are things that you can't do. There are things that you can't get past. There are things that you can't move on from. And maybe it's because you're trying to find the strength to do something you can't do that Jesus had the strength and has already done. I believe there's a mobilizing of the people of God that will happen when we, the people of God, marvel not only at who came out of the grave, but we marvel about what stayed in it. We need to go to the grave before we go to Galilee, before you go to Galilee, before you go do all the things God's called you to do, there's some things that you need to leave in the grave. We've got to go to the grave. I want you to go to the grave this Easter, and I want you to see what's still in there. Because it's empty, sort of, completely, totally, but still. Jesus left something in there for you. Not for you to pick up. Not for you to carry. 
not to remind yourself about, not to remind other people about, and I'm telling you, not even to remind him about. Sometimes our prayer life is consumed by too many grave clothes. And we need to focus on going to Galilee. <laughs> but first, we gotta go to the grave and let these things go. We're gonna close our time worshiping this Easter Sunday. One more song. I want you to stand up as we close together. We uh, believe that it's a blessing not just to hear the word of God, but it's a blessing to do the word of God. Amen? And uh, this morning... I believe that as we've been talking, as we've been worshiping, as you've been in church this morning, that God has been speaking to some of you. Maybe God's been speaking to all of you. Something that you need to leave behind. I believe on this Easter morning, God's calling you, just like he called Peter. Why don't you just come to the grave real fast? We're not gonna stay there long. We don't even need to talk about it because I'm not even there. I just need you to see something. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to show somebody something this morning. Something that you've thought has been wrapping you up and it's not because it's powerful, it's just because you're holding on. And there's a power in Easter of letting go. There's a power this morning of leaving some things in the grave that everybody else has been telling you you need to carry, that you've been telling yourself you need to carry. But I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, it's time to let it go. It's time to leave it in the grave. We need to go to the grave this morning. And I want you to see Jesus isn't there. But see what Jesus left there. We're going to have a prayer team like we always do off to the side of the room. We've always got people off to the side who are just available to pray with you because we're crazy and we think that uh, if any place is a good place to pray, church is. And that if you're, going to get, if you're going to come here on Sunday, we might as well get what we need. This isn't a game. Jesus is alive. That grave is empty. And this is true. He leaves the grave closed right where they lay. And uh, we're going to have some folks go off to the side of the room right now. And as we worship, I want to encourage you that if you are here this morning and you're like, I don't know what I need to do. I just need somebody to pray for me. Go get your prayer. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks of you. The whole room thought it was an idle tale, but Peter knew he had to go. If you know you got to do something this morning, go and do it. Don't worry about what anybody else has to say. You might be here this morning you've never given your life to Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those grave clothes come off and this can be your day. There's no perfect prayer to pray. It's just the decision in your heart. I need to follow Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've been hearing this, it's super normal for you to want Jesus. It's super normal for you to be thinking right now, that sounds really good, and I need that. And if that's you, I want you to pray with us here as we pray. And before I'm done, I want you to go talk to somebody so they can help you with your next steps. Maybe you're saved and you're that Christian that I was talking to, kind of like I was talking to me. You don't need to give your life to Jesus, but you do need to let go of some grave clothes this morning. You believe Jesus raised from the grave, but you don't believe that he left everything in the grave that he said he's left in there. And you need to have somebody pray with you. You need to respond here in this moment and say, God, let me see the grave clothes. What's the thing I've been holding on to that I've been thinking has been holding on to me, but I can let it go in the name of Jesus? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? I'm gonna pray for anybody who needs to give your life to Jesus, anybody who needs to leave something in the grave this morning. If you wanna give your life to Jesus this morning, you can just pray in your heart or out loud, however you wanna say it, Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the grave. Would you forgive me? Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? I want to follow you today in Jesus' name. 
And if you're here this morning and you need to let go of some grave clothes, I want you to pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come and show me everything you left in the grave this morning? Show me anything that I keep picking up that you meant to stay down. Show me anything that I need to believe that the power of it is broken in my life. Show me that the grave is open and that you left it in there. If you left it in there, then I can leave it too. If you prayed any of those prayers, I want you just to pour out your heart to God as we worship. I want you to go get prayer with somebody. Let somebody pray with you and let's all worship Jesus this morning. On this Easter morning, when Jesus died the death that we had to die and therefore we died it too. Where Jesus came out of the grave that we were destined for, but we can come out of it too. Where Jesus left grave clothes in the grave and we can leave them too. Lord, we love you this morning. We worship you. We praise your name. We magnify your name above everything that tries to be bigger than you in our life. We celebrate you this Easter Sunday. In Jesus' name.